Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Thoughtful Intentions. I'm your host, Fiona Winch, and today I'm joined by Natalie Vero. Natalie Vero, or newly and legally known Natalie Brisson, is an actor, comedian, writer, editor, producer, podcaster, traveler, snowboarder, and other funky things. She was born and raised on Long Island, graduated from Penn State University with a bachelor's degree in theater performance and broadcast journalism, attended the Second City's Comedy Studies program, and then moved to NYC to pursue acting. In September of 2018, she and her high school sweetheart, Ryan, got engaged in Croatia. What they thought would be less than two years of blissful engagement turned into a three-year roller coaster ride as a result of the pandemic and so much more bad luck. With the world shut down, wedding plans crumbling before them, and creative career opportunities halted, Natalie and her fiancé Ryan started a podcast called Just a Wedding. On the podcast, Natalie and Ryan discuss their terrible luck with wedding planning. They feature guests who dive into the impact the pandemic has had on them, and they always find a way to remind themselves to take life's sour lemons and make a kick-ass vodka lemonade. Hi, Natalie. Hey, what's up? How are you? Going. I am. I'm hanging in. I'm busy as hell, but I'm hanging in. I know. Thank you for doing this. Um, For our listeners, we are recording this at like 9 p.m. on a Monday. And I just really, really appreciate this flexibility because who knew? Who knew that it would be that hard to find a mutual time nowadays? Honestly, I mean, between your all you're doing, all your jobs and like I my jobs, it's just like this was the only time that really worked for both of us. I know, so, but I'm glad I caught you before happening. December. No, I'm glad I caught you before December because it was funny when you said that your December was packed. I was like, oh my God, my November is packed. Like, how are we going to do this? Oh no! But no, but I really have been wanting to talk to you because um, aside from all of your artistic endeavors and just being someone that I looked up to in school and, out, and afterwards, yeah. um, of course, I wanted to cover all of that. And then also this crazy wedding stuff. <laughs> You know, I was like, I want to hear firsthand what all of this was about. So with that being said, um, I want to talk about the wedding first, if that's okay. Yeah, let's Um, do it. Just a Wedding is fresh on my mind because I re-listened to a bit of it. (laughs) Um, And I just feel like, first of all, before we get to all the bad luck, (laughs) I feel like it's pretty remarkable that this has been like you you knew this was your person for the past decade yeah like I can't imagine many people can say the same no I mean like yeah we started dating when we were okay I was just turned 15 he was 14 so we're going on 13 years together so yeah we've known for a long time so for those who don't know walk us through this love story um okay so Ryan and I went to separate elementary schools but for our high school mine and his joined together. So in seventh grade, which was like junior high, we were in like the same classes and he was like teacher's pet that sat in the front of class, but he's also sporty. And I was sports and I was like into sports in the theater. So um, we always had the classes together and we were always friends. We both played the saxophone. Um, I played and- the saxophone. Oh, look at us. Little saxophone. Wow. That's so funny. That is what a weird. Great yeah, we were that like, great. I was so bad the- at it, but like, doesn't matter oh really yeah oh I loved it I did like only because I couldn't read music and so I was like and I really didn't have um any desire to learn how to read music so Hmm. you know I couldn't get very far (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah so we were friends for a while and then like eighth grade we were he had a crush on me but like I didn't know it at the right time and like then I had a crush on him in ninth grade he didn't know at the right time but then like ninth grade I was like 
telling him and our friends like, Hey, come to my show. I'm in Les Mis as a little ninth grader. Like I was so stoked to be like a ninth grader in the musical. Cause we had a really good um, theater program in my high school. Who did and, you play? Um, I was ensemble, but I was, um, let's see, I was a poor, I was a beggar. I was, um, <laughs> I was a bar person. I was, <laughs> you know, ensemble. Um, and, and they only took four freshmen girls. So oh. it was like, I was so stoked. And, um, so he came to the show and like, that's when like, he says he fell in love with me or like, oh. re, like had another crush on me. And then he waited for me after the show. And, um, my best friend was like, Natalie, Ryan's waiting outside. He wants you to like, come out and say hi to him. I was like, okay, like, cool. And so I ran out there and he gave me a big hug and a rose. And he was like, good luck for this weekend. You were amazing. Text me on Sunday when you're done and like, let's catch up. And I was like, okay. And then that next week he asked me out and wow. True love ever since. The rest was history. Rest was history. That's crazy. I mean, I can totally see. Um, so, okay. For context, they got engaged in 2018. And then, like I mentioned three years, took three years to make this wedding happen. Oh yeah. But I feel like, I, I mean, I can't speak for pandemic brides because I am not a pandemic bride, but for you two, having those people who have been a part of your lives, like your lives there, mm-hmm. like, I feel like I can't imagine not having all of those people for that, like large of a wedding because mm-hmm. they've gotten to watch you two for like a decade, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Are we, um, we really wanted the big wedding. Like that was my, I mean, my dream. And like, we have, my dad's side is Italian. It's a lot of cousins of cousins of cousins that are invited and, you know, people that are in my life and who I've known because, you know, my dad's side is very close. And, and so we had a lot of friends from high school and we had a big group each from college. So it was really important to us to have the wedding that we had planned for, even though the pandemic put a, you know, big wrench in that. Mm-hmm. But, um, so that was important. And even though we did get legally married a year before on our original date, it was solely because yes, we love each other, but I still wanted that wedding. I don't want to take away from the big wedding, but yeah. like, I also needed health insurance during the pandemic. And I was just, I, I was yeah. just about to say, I saw yeah. that you said that you got legally married a year prior in part yeah. because of the health insurance thing. And in part because of the nine 11 date that was yep. offered for the next, yep. <laughs> the, the wedding itself. Yeah. Um, I am turning 26 on Wednesday. So having similar yeah. crisis oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. the insurance stuff, I know. Um, but I can't believe also, okay. The kidney thing too. Yeah, just another. There's just thing. so yeah. much. Okay, I'm I'm uh-huh. I'm doing a horrible job of like letting people know what I'm talking about <laughs> because there's so, so much to cover. I know it's just yeah. it's crazy. Um, let me reel it in. Yeah, you got married a year prior to the wedding date. Yeah, middle middle of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a series of unfortunate events occurred, or it was all in the middle of this as well. It was- no. So the pandemic, by the time that the pandemic happened in March of 2020, we were like, oh, the, obviously this is horrible. And like, no one ever like suspected that this kind of thing would happen. But like in our world of wedding planning, we we're like, oh yeah, this checks out. Like we would have to postpone because of a pandemic. Like this is just, yeah, because we'd had so many bad things leading up to that. So 
that was just like, you know, I'll give you an example. As soon as we signed with our, um, our coordinator, not our coordinator, uh, our venue, as soon as we signed with them a month later, the venue, the venue flooded and 300 people get, had to get boat rescued. And that was all over. What? Yeah. Boat uh, rescued? Yeah. Boat rescued because it's right on the water. So the water came up and we're like, oh, what the heck? Another Wait, this thing, was before the pandemic? This was before the pandemic. This was in 2020, almost 2019. 20, uh, yeah. Get out of right here. The yeah. There was a November wedding, flooding. People had to get rescued. We were like, is the venue okay? Like we just signed. Venue was fine. Like it just made headlines. We we're like, what the heck? And then like, we should have known that it was going to go downhill. Like our photographer was not available. Like we booked with them. They became unavailable. The woman that was supposed to do our pre-cana because we got married in a Catholic church or had our wedding in a Catholic church. She passed away. Like before we could get to the pre-cana. Like, are you superstitious at all? I am now. (laughs) Like (laughs) now I am. (laughs) Like, I feel like if it was a couple that wasn't so strong, all of these things could kind of like destroy that you know yes which which a lot of couples during the pandemic didn't make it through their engagement like my hair my hairstylist said like she had four couples that didn't make it through because it was a really tough and challenging time for people that were about to make that commitment that were you know different parts of their personalities came out where they're like we don't we don't match this is I mean that's really devastating but also probably for the best in the long run yeah um oh god okay for us it was quite opposite we were like if we can make it through this we can totally no that was like when I was listening to just a wedding I was like they you know of course you are fantastic with comedy. So it's not a surprise that you were able to make it a comedic experience for yourself (laughs) and for everyone else. But um, I was just very impressed by like the levity that you brought to the situation. And, and even like, while you were telling the stories, there was no, like, what was me or I don't know, like victimization of yourself. It was like, this shit sucks. And you know, we're here to to chat about it. Yeah, yeah, that was basically our, we didn't want it. We knew basically with the podcast it was like, there are so many bigger things happening in this world that mm-hmm. yes, our pain and our suffering with this sucks and it is what it, but it is what it is. But obviously compared to everything else, it is in the grand scheme of things, just a wedding. We're both healthy. Yeah. We're both going to have our wedding eventually. You know, we just have to laugh this off because there are more serious things happening that you know, you just can't control. But if you compile all of the series of unfortunate events that did occur, I can see, I can (laughs) see how someone would not have that kind of attitude. Oh yeah. Come on. I mean, the kidney, the brain tumor, the the COVID right before the wedding, the Mm -hmm. getting the wrong dress. I mean, Mm -hmm. and then the best man getting COVID three days before, like just all the things I was like, Oh no. Oh no. We did not catch a break. Except for the wedding. The wedding was beautiful and that was great. But yeah, we didn't catch a break leading up. We had all the bad, bad luck that you could imagine. Um, so how did you handle that? It was a lot of us just being together and realizing and having the support from our family and our friends and, and making the best of it. The podcast, I made some sketches uh, during the pandemic. I was, you know, as an actor, as being in the server, you know, the restaurant industry, 
there wasn't any work. So I moved back home mm. with my parents and I was able to actually sit down and write things that I've wanted to write for a long time and film them and edit mm-hmm. them and do all of that and produce my own work, which was really fun. And it was in regards to the wedding planning process and all the bad luck right. that I was having. So it was a way for me to channel that frustration into creativity yeah. um, and having Ryan there and having, you know, my immediate family, we were all healthy and just having that support that we're going to do this. We're going to have the wedding still, like, let's just keep holding on. Like, this is, it's going to be good. It's going to be okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I loved your, your sketches and I want to, I want to get into all of that too. Um, and I really liked what you said in the podcast itself while we're still on that, um, that you just had to find the light and the laughter because yeah, really just feels like there's no other way. No, especially during that time. I mean, I was like waking up and like, what is my purpose? And my mom would be like, you can organize the Tupperware. And I was like, I swear to God, I swear to God, if you say that again, (laughs) what a savage move. I know. (laughs) Um, yeah, that was brutal. (laughs) Um, was there also like a network of pandemic brides that like you could talk to or like relate to, or were you kind of like channeling them with your Oh yeah. Um, it's called Brides of Long Island on Facebook. It's a really, yes, it's a thing and it's horrible and amazing at the same time. And that's where it actually was really helpful. It's, you have to apply to get in. You have to put your, all this information, they have to verify you do a background check. And it's like an exclusive only brides of Long Island group. And you have to be getting married. Sounds like an MTV show. Oh yeah. It could, I think it could be, I think it's a great, so it's like, okay. Not pandemic related, but everyone was in this Facebook group also during the pandemic. Yeah. Yep. Talking probably about all of the drama. Yes. So that's where I got a lot of my information about what that's have to do next. Yeah. And brides freaking out on there. Brides like having a complete meltdown on there and their posts did get filtered, but some posts made it on. You're like, Oh God, this, this woman is going through it. Like she is, she's having a time. So I would just read, I would, I would wake up every morning and read this stuff to my family. Like, this is what this bride's going through today. It was entertaining. I also felt their pain and I also got information. So it was like, this must have also served as like some inspiration for your content. Yes. For your yeah. sketches and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's Definitely. crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Well, I'm glad it was amazing. All this to say, I'm glad it was an amazing day. And I'm glad I'm talking to you after the fact and that it's like happened yeah. and that it was great. Um, yeah. you were afraid that it was going to go fast. Did it? No, absolutely not. It was. <laughs> so it's surprising. I had a lot of people that told me it's going to go so fast. You're not going to remember anything. And I'm like, like, that is my biggest fear. I'm pretty sure like be going through a three-year engagement and all the drama and all the horrible events that we had to deal with. And just like waiting this long to marry the person I've been with since I was 15 years old. Mm-hmm. It's like, why does it have, what is that one day? And you're spending a lot of money, mm-hmm. you know, if you're having a 230 person wedding on Long Island, I should say, um, you know, it, it's not that inexpensive. And so I'm like, why would it go? Why is it going to go so fast? So my biggest thing that when I, what I took from people's advice of it going fast is that take, I took a moment with Ryan and we had many moments actually just to hold each other and take it all in, take memory photos of I it. I love doing breathe. that. Yeah. Breathe yeah. and just 
say, you know what, check in and be like, Hey, I know you seem a little uptight about this, but like, let's just remember this moment. And the biggest moment was when we entered right before we entered to go into our venue as the entrance to we are young that the band was playing. Ryan, my husband was stressed about a little something. Your husband, my husband, my hubby, um, he was a little stressed and we were just about to enter. And I was like, babe, I was like, look at me. I was like, this is about to be the best moment of your life. I was like, just take it in when the doors open. And like, he was like, okay, thank you. And like, we both took a big breath and we walked in and it was, and remember that, I remember that moment so crisp because we allowed that moment to come in and just pause everything for, for a second, yeah, which was great. And also I didn't drink until after cake. That also speeds things up. Alcohol, it has its own mind of its own. So that's my biggest advice is don't drink really until after like you've done all the the main events of the night and after cake we went we went crazy we did shots everyone did shots we chugged. okay what happened to the say no to shots yeah no that went out the window <laughs> yeah absolutely oh, not I was like, I rewarded myself. I was like, I didn't really drink the whole day. I barely had a mimosa in the morning with my girls. I barely did like drink my champagne from the, from the toast. Cause I know that I was so, um, not ha- having anxiety, but I was so on adrenaline. Like that's a natural high. Like yeah. you don't need alcohol. You don't need anything else. Like that is going to escalate things. So I knew that because of my engagement party that I had two years ago, that went really crazy. Um, (laughs) so I just knew going into it, like don't drink too much alcohol. You're not even going to eat that much as it is. And if you want to do a shot later on, do the shot girl, you deserve it. And it sounds like you guys got to spend a lot of time together. Cause I feel like I hear that too, that couples don't even spend that much time together because they're so busy, like talking to the guests. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. No. So that's, that is a big thing that we did make a last minute decision because we were going to take the party bus from the church to the venue, which is like a 25 minute drive. But we did make the last decision of staying together and going into our limo together and not being on the party bus because we knew the rest of the night was a party Mm -hmm. bus party opportunity with everyone else. So we did ride the limo for 25 minutes, which was really nice for us to kind of decompress have a little bit of champagne, like talk about things, talk about our ceremony that just happened at the church. And yeah, so that was great. And also we, even though we sat at a King's table with everyone from a bridal party, which was 32 people, we did wow. have the center. Yeah. It, that's how big our King's table. Our yeah. bridal party was half of that because of plus ones, but Mm. We did sit at our table together um, with the bridal party, like on opposite ends. And so we did get that moment. Um, okay. That's good. Yeah. So you find the moment, you have to find the moments. That's yeah. another big chunk of advice. Yeah. I have this one memory from my freshman year of high school. Okay. Um, and it's one of those photo memories that you're like, you, you know, you're, you're standing there and you're like, take, I'm taking this in. I'm. Mm-hmm taking a mental image in my mind yeah. and and the sound yeah. and you know all of that stuff all your senses you're like heightening your sentence senses yeah. just for that moment it's just so funny that I happened to pick like the pep rally of my freshman year of high school <laughs> like I remember like where oh. I was standing in the bleachers like all that stuff yeah. I was just so blown away by everything that was happening it's just it's kind of silly now but like That's very cool. like adolescent 
Yeah, you said you were in ninth grade. Was it yeah, freshman ninth year? Grade, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that's awesome. It definitely mattered at the time a lot. Yeah. So yeah. Um. Well, I'm. I've only met Ryan once, but it it has been such a treat to follow you guys and to see this finally happen. And of course, as I reader, ugh, I cannot talk today. As I reiterate with every episode, I just love um a non traditional path and like talking about what you do when you have to be agile um, and when things don't go as you've planned um, and when things just come up that you have to deal with and (laughs) it can be really stressful and scary. Um, And this was just one example that I thought was so unique and different. And um, who else can say they're a pandemic bride? Like that's so, that's so crazy. It is. It's wild. And it's a big and And you were so graceful about it. Oh, thank you. I have a I friend that got, yeah, no, I had a, I have, a, I, I heard that the next year of weddings is like backed up is yeah. Is like the most weddings in mm-hmm. really recent. I mean, not really recent, yeah. really long-term history. One of yeah. my friends got engaged in October and, um, booked her venue like that week for the following October. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, yeah, geez, it's- this is no joke. Yeah, 2022 was filled up in like 2020 because they weren't when I like my venue wasn't offering like newly engaged couples of 2020 and early 2021 dates until after they rescheduled all of their current brides, their 2020 brides. So I mean, meant everything got pushed back. Or I mean, the reason why I took 9/11-2021 as my date. For the wedding was because it was the only Saturday available, the last weekend day available, I should say, in the summer season, fall season of twenty of um of September of twenty twenty one. It was the last weekend we paid for a weekend, so they offered us Mondays and Wednesdays and Thursday nights, and I was like, that's nice, but I paid this much. We already paid this much money. And a Saturday is just like convenient for more people to get to from out of town. So I was like, I really just want a Saturday or Friday or something that will allow people to come in. And um, they offered, they said the last date that they had was 9-11, which was, I was like, no wonder why it's the last day. It's the 20th anniversary of 9-11, but I'll take it. As like, as a New Yorker, did you kind of? Oh yeah. I had a very heavy heart. Ryan had a. I actually took it without like, like talking to Ryan first, because at this point, when I booked it, we were quarantining from each other because of my severely handicapped brother, he was exposed to someone. And so he had to live with his parents for a week. And I was at my parents for a week. Um, Cause before that we were going back and forth with each other between our parents. Yeah. Um, so at this point I was on the email and I was like, I'm just going to ask my coordinator for if she's anything even if it's 9-11, if she has it available and she offered it to me. Um, and so I was like, I'll take it before I even consent, like told Ryan, but he knew it was on my mind. And I said, watch, they're going to have 9-11 available. That's going to be one of their weekends. And I took it. And she obviously, like, honestly, after that, four other brides came forward and asked for that date because it was a Saturday and they wanted a 2021 wedding. So I took it and then Ryan and I discussed it and he was like, I'm not like ecstatic about it, but like, we're going to make it a positive day and like do what we can. And then Mm -hmm. 
that's when we also decided like, okay, maybe we should get legally married. Like you need health insurance and we don't want to have that anniversary. We both kind of talked okay. to her, like, we don't want to have our anniversary to be on that because as a New Yorker, it is a day I'll always remember as a second grader. I, it was traumatizing. Um, I'll always, I remember that day, like so vividly and I wasn't a city kid. I wasn't, you know, but my dad had clients in the city that passed away from it. My aunt's best friend passed away from it. Like I, my whole like grade was taken out of school. I was left in school. My parents were like, you're safer there than what are we going to do? So they kept me in school, but it was like, I was one of, you know, one of four kids left in a 25 kid class. So I remember coming home and like watching my mom cry and showing the news. And, you know, it's a day that sticks. I think, especially with New York kids, kids from New York that, you know, we all have our own story. So yeah. it definitely was a day that we hold very close to our heart. I know the nation holds very close to their heart, but yeah, totally. as New Yorkers, like you were literally taken out of school. Yeah. I was, I was, I grew up outside of DC. So yeah. I was the last person yeah. in my class to get picked up um, because my mom ha- was working in Northern Virginia at the time and would like cut through DC every day. Cause I was on the Maryland side. Um, and everyone told her, cause this was like when it, at you know, the Pentagon, um, everyone was like, you should not try to go home. The bridges are going to be closed. Like, there's no way you can get home. And she was like, I have to go home. Like I have to pick up my kids. Like I have yeah. to. And, um, I think for some reason my dad just like, couldn't get to us, but anyway, she said it was the fastest she ever made it home wow. because, um, no one was on the road and no one yeah. was like checking for anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and she did after that, she bought herself a Sapphire ring because she said that she didn't have anything like of value on her. And if she did have to like barter for anything to like get across, she was like, was scared that she wasn't going to be able to get to us. Um, I know I was like, Oh, it's so dark, but like, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I was in kindergarten. So I remember playing, like being confused, playing with Legos, like what's going on. Um, this was a, this was a little bit of a tangent, but all that to say. Yeah, no. And it definitely, it definitely was heavy on our hearts. And we did, I want to say we did really recognize it on the day we had the priests at the church have a moment of silence. We hadn't do that because we felt it was important because we knew we, Ryan's grandfather was a firefighter and yeah. And like, we have firefighter friends that actually went into the city to go help. Um, so we did have, my dad did incorporate it in the speech in his speech. And, uh, we had a little moment of silence at the reception. So we did incorporate that very much into our day. I mean, it was the 20th anniversary too. And I think, but I think there's also something like solemnly beautiful about it, that life does go on and we, you know, figure out how to grieve those yeah horrendous and like devastating events and still find some like some life some something to look forward to yes and I do want to say this I know we're talking about this a lot but which is good because I had a heavy heart leading up to the wedding I was like you know when I tell people 9-11 that I'm having my wedding on that date people like oh and I'm like I know we're gonna make the best of it we're still gonna remember the day but like you know life you know, we, we have to choose a state. And, um, what made me feel better is the 
month before the wedding, I had this guest at um, my restaurant and it was this couple and they were in their 40, they were celebrating her 43rd birthday. And um, she, we were talking at the wedding. I said, you know, it's on 9-11 and they're like, okay. And, you know, they, we kind of moved off topic and uh, we had a really nice conversation. We connected. They were both living in Astoria too. Um, and the woman wrote me a note and she said, I want you to read this when you get off your shift. I was like, okay. So I got in the car with Ryan, he picked me up and, um, I read the note and it was like, you know, Natalie, like, um, my husband and I wish you the best of luck for your wedding. Like, don't have a heavy heart on your wedding day. That's nine 11. She was like, I worked my first job in the world trade center 20 years ago as a 23 year old. Wow. And I lost a lot of friends and coworkers on that day. And they would be so happy to know life goes on and you're making the best of this day. So go, go do that. And it was like such a wow. weight off my shoulder. I've never met someone that has lost so many people like that. Like I've never had a connect, like I've never been able to have a conversation with someone like that. So to read that, it was just like, oh my God, this person lost so many friends. Yeah. So I, now I have her blessing and now yeah. I can just. That feels like almost like guardian angelish, you know, right. not that you needed anyone's permission, but just no. from a stranger, like, of course your yeah. family is going to say, oh, it's okay. You know, like, yeah. but from someone else that doesn't know you like yeah, worse with the wear and it's just yeah. granting you that, like that grace. That's, yes. that's amazing. It was, it was great. I felt like at ease and like grace was kind of like upon me, which was really nice. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Um, well this whole experience, I'm sure you've learned a ton about yourself. Oh yeah. And about your work, I'm sure as well. Um, so to make a little pivot into that, because you do so much. I mean, <laughs> I, I read your bio. <laughs> Actor, writer, comedian, podcaster, and singer. I don't know if you had that in there, but I saw you sing at your wedding. Yes. Did you have it in there? I might have had it. I don't know. I just was trying to come. You up had with actor, comedian, writer, editor, producer, podcaster, traveler, snowboarder, and other funky things. But you're also a singer. Okay. The funky things. Maybe singer fits into that. Yeah. I yeah sing. Okay. Yeah. And you taught yourself ukulele. <laughs> yes, I did. It was ugly at first, but sis got there. So what have you learned about your work? I mean, you had a, like certainly more of a career in the city before the pandemic hit. I got to see you do a UCB show in 2019. Do you remember that? Yes. You did. Oh my God. I, I love that. That was yes, awesome. I did. Um, so I was lucky enough to see you do some stuff before, before the pandemic hit when I was still, um, when I kind of first gotten there, I don't know. Um, and I'm just, yeah. yeah. And I'm, I've just always been thoroughly impressed by your comedy. And I don't know that I really knew that that was your forte when we were in school. Was that something that you always knew was your interest or did that come up later? I always knew that I had, I love comedy. I've always loved comedy. I think like we didn't have the means at Penn State to really dive in as, yeah. you know, we both went to Penn State. We know the program. We didn't really have the improv programs. We didn't really have the um, classes to teach like the physical comedy. The only time that we really had um, that I, you know, I know you had this experience, but going to London, I was, was like, going to say, did you yes, have Mick Barnfather as a Mick, teacher? Yes. And I loved him so much. So he people- changed acting for me. He yeah. really did. I, I remember being in his class for the first 
half. I had no clue. Well, why we were doing anything. I was like this, like I'm rolling with it, but I have no idea why. (laughs) And then we were doing mask work and it was like, just in the middle of a improv mask scene kind of thing. I was like, Oh my God, I get it. And it like hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. And it just changed. It just changed acting for me like forever afterwards committing that's then that's what comedy committing to the bit even if you know as long as you have like that commitment to your character or your mask work like that is what Mick he wanted you he pushed you to go there because he could see the potential which he was incredible he wrote one of my recommendations to second city and I really think that's one of the reasons I got in um I was waitlisted at first but then I got in so I asked Mick I was like Mick I loved you you pushed me physically and mentally and emotionally with comedy please write my letter, letter of recommendation he did um so I think like going to London really helped because that that whole teaching over there is was great um even um senior year of college started diving more into that I was like I want to go to second city like I want to dive into the comedy world because we didn't have so much of that at Penn State so we didn't and I (laughs) the first thing the only thing Natalie and I've ever done together was a show called Mirror Mirror yes (laughs) just not comedic at all it's very dark very heavy I think I was a I I know I wasn't a freshman I think I was a sophomore yeah yeah, yeah. You, I mean, were, you were a senior. You were, you were like that. You were like the. I was a baby girl. Yeah, you were, and I was the bitch in the show. Yeah, yeah. as I am usually when I'm cast, I'm like, like serious things. Yeah, and then I was like, oh my god, she's a comedian. What is happening? Yeah, <laughs> really yeah, good. No, I, yeah, I needed to like open up that door for comedy and go to Second City and just like live in Chicago and be a part of that. So that really. But I always loved writing comedy. I, I was just going to ask, did writing comedy, was that intimidating to you at all? It, 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 it was because I never had the formal education to write comedy. It was just like, I would write something down or like, I'd say something that I'd forget later, but like going to second city, like helped me kind of, um, put my ideas on paper in an organized fashion and have like you know, know how to open a joke up, know how to open a sketch up, have a, you know, beginning, middle and end with comedy, um, do callbacks um, in comedy. So like it taught me more of those logistics that I still like use today. Um, So it was just an opportunity Mm -hmm. to dive into that. I love how structured storytelling can be. Like every time I go see a show, I'm, I'm thinking like, it's not, mathematical but it kind of is like yeah how it's being told and delivered I'm like oh yeah this is it so really is. interesting so juicy it really is you can have a formula you can go off the formula but like maybe your joke won't land or maybe like that moment will miss a beat it's you know it, it really has a formula that yeah yeah and at this one. point you've written so many skits um I was just I was just looking at some of the older ones I remember the one that when you did stripper empowerment with Melina yes <laughs> I remember oh. when that one came out like yeah. made quarantine I was cracking up um <laughs> and I had never seen the safari honeymoon one I thought that was so funny <laughs> I thought that was so funny <laughs> It was so ridiculous. The tone of voice is what did it for me. Yeah. Yep. Like the this is amazing. And then I like, who knew you have turned Ryan into an actor. You've turned your oh, mom yeah. and dad into actors. Mm-hmm. Like everyone is involved now. 
they're all involved. They're all involved. Ryan is an amazing writer. He's an engineer, but he is an incredible writer and he's really funny. And like, I tell him to, he needs to write for like something. I don't know if it's Reddit. I don't know where you write. Uh, he, uh, he loves a certain platform. I don't know where it is that he needs to write, but it's, it's very, he's great with sports, like comedic sports writing. Like he's so good. So when we did that sketch about our, our uh, update and our bad luck with wedding planning, that was, it was so much fun. It was cool to see him as the actor. Was that the, um, the Monday night football one? Yes. Yeah. That was, that was great. And he came up with that idea. So I came up with the idea. I wanted him to help me write it because he does really, really funny satire. Um, like sports journalism, like announcements or like he writes really well comedically about sports. So I was like, I want you to help me write this stuff. Cause I don't, you know, I, I like sports, but like not to the extent that he does. I'm like, I don't sure. know what this is called. So he yeah. would make like, he watches sports. So he knows their language. So he kind of put that in the script and like, mm-hmm. I, I tweaked some things. So we both wrote that, but he wrote a majority of like the sports elements of that. I just cleaned That's up so some fun. Of the comedy. So it was a very collaborative thing. And I was like, I want you to do it. I was like, I don't want, I want to be barely in it. I wanted to edit it because I knew I could really like hone in on editing. So I was like, I want you to be the star. So he did really well. I'm like, you could be like a journalist. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Okay. On that note, I didn't know that you majored in broadcast journalism as well. Yeah. Theater and broadcast journalism. I did not know that. Yep. And I had so many credits that I could also minor in international studies, which I no way. How did you do that? How did you find the time to do that? Well, I came in with like 23 credits from high school because of AP classes. So I got my gen eds out of the way real quick. And, uh, and theater actually and broadcast journalism shared a lot of the same path of gen eds. Mm. So I was able to easily graduate on time. Two birds, one stone. Yep. Even though I was a transfer theater major, I only started Mm. theater program. I, my sophomore year. Oh, I don't think um, I knew that. Yeah. So, um, cause so I what was, in, did you, so you started broadcast journalism? I started out as a meteorology and broadcast journalism major. Get out of here. Yeah. I had this whole, like, um, I was terrified my junior year of high school, like that I was making the wrong decision of auditioning for like all these conservatory schools. So I was like, Nope, I'm going to go to a school for my backup plan, which is meteorology. And I'm going to become the news anchor as my fallback. If acting doesn't work out. And then like, what? That is like the most insane thing I could have ever thought of. So once I got to Penn State, I was like, okay, I need to major in acting. Cause like, that would be stupid if I didn't just go for it. And I'll do journalism as my other major, because they can kind of, they aren't, it's not like math is involved. Did you know that a girl from my class left acting to do meteorology? <laughs> oh my God. Did you know that? she's like the mirror version of me she, no I didn't yeah, she did know opposite. that and she left our class I think probably <gasps> I think she pro- I think she stayed with us sophomore year I think she maybe left junior year um oh to do yeah to to study meteorology and and now she's a broadcast journalist with that's crazy that wild. that's wild um that's funny so did you think that that was going to come into play post-grad at all Um, my journalism helps me very much. So even with my acting career, I mean, I just think my love for journalism and my write, my writing got so much better being a journalism. I I love personally. I also love journalism. That would, that would be my other probably go. Yeah. And I think as an actor, it's really 
really good to be in tune with what's going on in the news, reading mm -hmm. news, and like it kind of brings you to places around the world that you won't get to as an actor, as an artist, mm -hmm. or as a person. So like bringing all of that into your work help helps me. Um, there's some dark times. So like you know, journalism now is just yeah. you know you gotta, you gotta find the right find the right platforms. But yeah. sometimes the right journalism does help me get closer to a story that I would never understand or, right. you know, a part of the world that I wouldn't know, but it helps with my writing and it helps with me. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I haven't done, I've done a lot with my editing, more of my editing, my okay. writing editing or media editing, media editing. So oh, cool. being savvy with website platforms and, and coding, and then also um, just simple like website coding, I guess like that. I don't know if that's even called. No, I now. mean, that like definitely comes in handy. That was one of my problems. I feel like when I graduated was one, I didn't have a website. Yeah. Although I guess I made one shortly after, but two, I also didn't have a reel. And I was like, how that, where do I start with this? What do which I do? is where my journalism were taught to use Final Cut or Adobe Premiere, which Final Cut, <gasps> Cut is my like main platform. You were taught that in college? Yes, we had to know that. Yeah, wow. I taught my I did product. teach myself Premiere Pro. Good okay. over the and pandemic. Great skill, yes. Yeah, that's what we were taught in college. So I came out of college knowing that I edited all my reels. I didn't have to have wow. really anyone do that. So um, yeah, I I great at I love editing. It's like one of my favorite things. So that helped me with the journalism aspect. Kind of brought that into my acting career by making yeah. my reels and making videos and constantly like putting things on the internet. Cause that's, you're building the business of yourself. Yeah. I wish we did more of that. I'm in, I can't necessarily speak towards your experience, of course, in school, but at least for my class, we did practically nothing with film or, you know, video, anything. And I remember our directing class with um, Dan Carter, we had to direct a scene and I asked if I could do it on film and I ended up doing like a film scene instead oh, and yeah. I had so much fun I just like rented a camera from like the media whatever library um and it was a blast and I remember going to Richard Rome show and I was like I really like this and he was like that might be an acorn follow that acorn to the tree <laughs> <laughs> the piece of I advice like that Richard Rome show gave me that. oh my god yeah um yes. okay I also want to mention that you and Tori and Alicia all three of whom went to Penn State, um, were highly influential in my early days in New York. I remember Alicia sitting me down and telling me all of the audition terminology that I was clueless about because I was the only person that at first that was here for my class. Yeah. And then you and Tori introduced me to Anthony Apeson's class, yes. which made a huge difference. Huge yes. difference. So I was just wondering if like that transition out of school um, was equally as challenging or um, if you were navigating that a little bit quicker than I did? Um, I was right in the same place. I moved here. I want to say that all of my roommates in college were not theater majors, right? A lot of my great friends were. Um, I was the only one out of my apartment that was graduating Penn State that didn't have a job lined up, which was horrific and horrifying for me to experience. And, but I knew I had to do it. I knew I had to move to New York after Chicago. I wanted to go back to New York and just do the damn thing, move and 
figure it all out. I got my restaurant job. Thanks, dad. He got the hookup. And um, I, you know, I kind of was like, all right, as I was settling in, I'm like, what is, okay, how do I do this? Because, you know, unfortunately we're not really taught the business of acting in theater in college. Right. I think it was an elective. Right. So I actually tried to take that class and then it conflicted with a different requirement. And I was like, of course. course. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, um, yeah, I feel that. So there was no, I felt lost, but I knew that some of the grads before me, like Nigel Quinn had graduated, Mm -hmm. um, uh, a semester ahead of me. Right. And I saw that Nigel just had done a commercial and I was like, okay, cool. That's someone I can reach out to and ask how the heck did this happen? This is awesome. And so he told me about actors connection and um, one-on-one and how Mm. making those relationships. And that's how we got to freelance with his agent who is still his agent, I believe. Um, So I was just like, oh, great. So that's how I got involved with one-on-one and was seeing casting directors and, and -and so-and-so. So it was a lot of asking people that are doing it before me, which is what you did, which is awesome because that's, how it happens at work. I found Anthony through my coworkers, like, mm. oh, this is the class I'm taking. You need to take it. And then I started telling other people like who were coming into the city, like, this is a class you have to take, like people book and work with him, like work through yeah. him. Like, so it was really, I was in the same place looking up to people that were already doing it. And that's your biggest connection. Um, that's how I'm, that's how it's been happening for me. So yeah. That's great. I mean, it's crazy. I remember walking around and being like, I know what, I just don't know how, you know, yeah. and that's exactly. like the most infuriating part because then other people will also say, oh, you should do this. And you're like, how? Oh, yeah. <laughs> how? It's crazy. So yeah. I really do appreciate that um, guidance and your generosity always just to yeah. chat with me and just share your wisdom. Yes. Because you've been For doing sure. so well. Yeah. And now you're doing something really cool that I want to hear about. What is, okay. I don't know if this is what you're in rehearsals for now, but I saw that you were doing money heist, Mm -hmm. the money heist experience. Yeah. Is that what you're rehearsing for now? Yeah. That's what it is. Okay. Okay. What is it? So Um, I loved money heist. Like I think that was probably one of my favorite shows that I've ever seen. Yes. So you've seen it. Oh yeah. And I watched it in Spanish because I didn't know. I didn't even know that there was like an option to dub it, but then I tried dubbing it one day and I was like, this is terrible. So I, just, like I watched like- it in Spanish with the subtitles and I was just like obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. So because Money Heist is such an internationally acclaimed show that Netflix has had, I think they're on their fifth season now. I might be wrong. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, They know that. So Netflix has this, market and how much money that they've made over the years is incredible. So they do have, they basically, instead of opening up like a theme park, like competing with Disney and having all this money go towards something that's huge and grand that will be there forever. They actually want to take their shows that they have that are doing so well and bring them closer to their audience in the sense of a theatrical experience or a show. So they took their show Money Heist. It's one of the mm-hmm. first that they've taken and they have um, written a play. I'm going to say a play around an immersive experience um, with some like escape room aspects. Really? 
Yeah. So they want to, they want to, you know, you love, you love a show and you're like, oh man, it's over. Like that sucks. Like, how do I get like cl- more of the show or closer to the show? Well, this is how you can become a part of your favorite show. So are like the actors, like I've done escape rooms up the act, yeah. but the actors would be like in there with you too, kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. That's crazy. That's so cool. Yeah. And we are, yeah. So it's, I don't know the show that well. I've I've started watching it. Um, I'm on the first season because I don't have that much time. So I'm like, I try to watch it whenever I can stay awake. And uh, it's really cool how the script is geared towards New York, right? They have a show in Paris. They have a show mm. in Mexico. They have a show in Miami is the first American show that they've opened. And they have a show in um, somewhere else. I think wow. Spain. Yeah. So, so they're doing well. Show. It's already yeah, going on well. and they're doing well. Yeah. And now That's New cool. York. Yeah. And now New York's having their show and um, it's produced by Netflix. It's produced by JJ um, LA, which is a production company based out of California and an, a fever, which is like the media platform that produces it and gets people to get tickets. So yeah, it's got a lot of backbone behind it. And we're a cast of like 40 people. And um, I play like, I have four tracks that I'm learning and I can be a different character every day wow. of those four tracks. And it's like, a, it's a really good, there's, um, you know, there's really good scenes that lead, you know, that lead you into it. Um, it there's scary moments. There's, you know. So is it like, is it, okay. I'm just trying to picture the only immersive, I think, theater I've gone to was Sleep No More, mm-hmm. where you can, you know, you can walk around, you can wander, yep. you don't have to be in one particular room or another. Is it kind of like that as well? It's like sleep. So you do. Or have you to kind follow. of like led through. Yeah, you have to okay. be led through because there are going to be four shows going on in that hour. So you're going to have a show behind you, too. Got it. OK. Yeah. Yeah. So you need oh. to keep, you need to get everyone as an actor, your yes, you're in character, but like, you also have to keep them moving Wow. and in the rooms, that's you can crazy. walk around like, that's fine, but you're going to have tasks in three of the rooms that you have to complete in order, literally in order to get to the next room. Like I can't do anything else as the actor, unless you do these things. So mm-hmm. like, I can help you out, but like, I need, oh my gosh, these improv skills are going to have to come in. Oh my way. God. Yo, I'm like, I'm like gearing up for a crazy New York audience. Everything, every time I ask my director, I'm like, um, but what if someone says this? He's like, all right, Natalie, like, let's just see if that even happens. But I'm like, you, but what if someone just like passes out? They're like, all right, like relax. <laughs> but you do, you have such good improv training. So like, yeah, sounds like the perfect fit, honestly. Yeah. No, it's so much improv. It's scripted. We have a lot. We have like, yeah. like, like eight in 10 scenes that are scripted, three break um uh like not break I want to say breakthrough I don't know why uh what are they called oh my god what is it called when you escape escape room <laughs> I'm like breakthrough scenes I'm like breakout <laughs> yeah um they have three of those and then there's uh there's a lot of room for improv like there's a lot of audience interaction that's so fun we only we just can't touch the audience. They can't touch yeah. us. Like that's the only thing that we have written and, you know, so, but everything else, like we, they can say pretty much anything to us and yeah. So, Wait, so, okay. So when does it open and where is it? it open? Yeah. So it previews this weekend. Um, Stop it. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Friday is preview wow. night. Um, and then it officially opens on the 9th, December 9th. Okay. And yeah. it's, so is it go- somewhere in Midtown? 
It's no, it's actually at one handsome place in Brooklyn, downtown Brooklyn, um, right across from the Barclay Center. Oh, uh, in a beautiful um, old bank that's like a cathedral. It's gorgeous. It's a really cool awesome. space. Um, it's a fun time. Yeah. Afterwards, after that's you're so done, cool. like leading up to a bar that they've built in the cathedral, and like you get to like drink and like, wow. yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I, I'm oh, sorry. I Can you hear that. my hair? No. No. Can you hear it? Okay. This thing is like it, it sounds. Is it like, like one of those rod heaters? Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Yep. Spits and, and like stuff. Hisses. Yeah, yeah. The worst is when like they knock around and you're like you think someone's like breaking in. And you're like, what is yeah. happening in there? What is going on? Um, that's super exciting. I had yeah. such like, I remember my senior year of high school. I was like, so fed up with you know these three hour plays that no one would want to sit through, and I, it was like you know, the instant gratification thing is so prevalent in our lives. And in, you know, I mean, just if theater wasn't going to change with us, I was like, this is so scary. Like, this is kind of like doomed. Like we need to get more creative here. Um, Exactly. Not to say that there isn't a time and place for that. There totally is, but it was just like, I felt like sometimes even the shows that we, especially the shows that we were doing, I was like, this is torture yeah <laughs> to everyone yes. that's coming yeah and especially as a society that cannot keep our attention on one thing for too long I know Anthony talks about this we're always on our phone phones yeah. we can only watch the videos and you know we've uh, within five minutes we can and then we're bored and then we have to move on to the next thing our mm-hmm. minds are always going because that's what society has done to us um so that's what Netflix is kind of honing in on is like oh you can watch an hour of a tea show. So you can probably only handle an hour of a theatrical experience. We're going to start doing this. Like the full immersion of that keeps you in it. And yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's sad that we can't really pay attention for over an hour or whatever it is, hour and change, but that's what they're kind of honing in on. We're, yeah. you know, like it's, it's crazy how theater ha- has and is going to change I know to keep our attention it's like it is nostalgic and it's sad in a way because yeah of course I love old school theater too yeah. um but I don't I don't know it was more depressing to like watch people on their phones sitting in theater yeah. you know and then I'm like yeah. oh my god you don't want to be here like why yeah. would I want to be here yeah that sucks that feeling sucks so yeah there's good there's good and the bad there you know it means that we can't we, don't, we can't keep our attention on something for that long, but also like it is a good way to be innovative with theater. And also yeah. the VR world is is coming in hot apparently. And that's oh, no. be, I know that terrifies me. I don't even know what that's <laughs> going to be, but yeah. Um, but some but some theater could be in V. I feel like you could bring that close to home and be, you know, be able to experience a theatrical event through VR. That could be cool if they do it in a way that isn't frightening. Yeah, I mean, they definitely, I think VR, well, I don't even know if it would be considered VR, but I don't know the terminology well enough, but like, you know, the Van Gogh exhibit, or I don't know if you've been to Arctic House, but like, Mm -hmm. I feel like that kind of reinvigorated museums in a way, you know, like bringing new life to, to art shows and things like that. Which is so cool. I know Carly McCann, she has her company in London, VR plat-based pat- platform for theater which is so innovative and oh I need to talk to her so cool. 
Yeah. Yeah. You got to talk to Carly because I'm like, oh, this is, this could really work out and not be where. Because like half my brain feels like an old person of like, ooh, technology that's scary and it's going to take away the jobs, you know? (laughs) And the other half of my brain is like, I don't, I, I remember for a long time, I was like, I'm not tech savvy. And then I was like, why would I tell myself that? I'm not going to become yeah. tech savvy the more I tell myself that. So then I yeah. just started telling myself like, no, I'm tech savvy. And then I yeah. figured it out. And it's like everything you can Google yeah. most things. Like it's not like that hard, yeah. but, um, I don't, I don't want to be that person that's scared of it. You know? No, I think we need to embrace if theater goes more VR, but also like, I love the traditional as well. If there's a balance, I'm good with that. Yeah. That's yeah. All. Yeah. Like, I'm totally game to like story experiment with like story experiences. Yeah. Um, there's this whole, what was it? Oh, that like Disney does a whole course called like Imagineering in a box. Have you ever heard Imagineering? No. It's like engineering, but with your imagine like imagination. Oh. For experiences. And it's used a oh. lot in like amusement parks and like things like that. But like Yeah. Yeah. I know that sounds um spot on. Interesting. I don't know. Depict Imagineering, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so I don't know, good stuff. Um, okay, cool. Well, I can't wait to see you in that. That's amazing. Yeah, come through. It's gonna be we're at least until February, and then um, they they are probably extending it until March because we're oh. already almost sold out in December. Is this the first theater thing that you've done since the pandemic? Yeah. This how the first like how good was that feeling? Just to. <sighs> It was, it was amazing because I just got back from my honeymoon. You know, you're getting back from the honeymoon. You're like, okay, I was just in this, on this high for the past four months of like prepping for my wedding and like having all this stuff that kind of, I was busy. I was decently busy with auditioning. Um, I shot a movie up in Rochester, um, in May, which was really cool. I had, you know, I had a role of like, I was, um, I don't know what you would like a co-star. Oh my God. What is this? So sorry. It's okay. Um, let me try this again. My mom's calling my husband. My, my mom oh, called me twice. Mom, hold on. Wait, <laughs> can I, are you okay? I'm on a FaceTime call. Well, where's Ryan? Yeah. Call Ryan. I, 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 okay. I called him on. Okay. I'll call you later. You're on this to- Mom. I need to hang up. Okay. What is going on? Hello. It's okay. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> That's funny. I think she but- sounds okay. I think she sounds fine, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. My mom no, called me I'm twice. So I was like, uh-huh, I'll call you back. Oh um, my God. What does she need? To- she wants to know what kind of underwear Ryan wants for Christmas. Are we Stop kidding it. me? <laughs> I can't. I'm. She's making me sweat. Ryan, pick up the phone. Can you call my mom? Okay. That's so funny. The way I want to keep this in so badly is just that's that's amazing. I don't care. You have full permission if that's what you want. That's amazing. I'm totally support it. Um, what was I saying before? You're saying that you shot a movie. <laughs> oh yes. I don't know how to get my um my full um. It's fine. I just can't see you, but that's okay. That's okay. I won't keep sure. you much longer. I just want no, to. No, it's okay. Um, yeah, I shot, I shot this movie up in Rochester in May, and that was my first film thing I had since the pandemic. 
Um, and then um, I was on hold for this awesome HBO project for like six months right before the wedding. And I was like, this would be so cool if I booked it. They released me a couple of weeks before, um, oh, like man. in August, which sucked. But um, I was like, okay, I'm going to focus on the wedding. I'm going to be on this high. It's going to suck to come down from it and come back to reality of like, you know, not having the wedding to look forward to. But um, we had our honeymoon. And then right after the honeymoon, I got this audition for Money Heist, which I sent in a self-team. And then they had me in for, they, they called me back for a callback, which was in person. So not only did I book, this is my first theatrical thing that I booked since the start of the pandemic, but this was my first in-person call, like audition since the pandemic started. Wow. Which was wild. And I went in there and just gave it my all, made them laugh in places that I probably, probably wasn't supposed to be funny, but, um, I walked out there. I was like, I don't know. I just gave it my all and I booked it. And I was so like, I was like how this was, this is awesome. Like there was nothing for me to lose by not giving it my all. Right. right. I did that embrace that. It was my first live audition and I booked it. So I felt oh. so happy. And I was, you know, I was like, well, you know, this is, this was really cool because now my reality of coming back after that high of wedding planning. Now I'm on this high of having stable work as an actor right now and being paid for, you know, every day waking up and getting paid to do what I love to do, um, which is really cool. Um, and to support myself with that. So it's the first time I'm able to take a step back from my restaurant job and, you know, rely on this and it feels really good. It's a, it's a cool place to be right now and it's new and it's, I haven't done theater in a while, in a really long time since probably the last time I was on stage was when you saw me for the UCB competition. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Or Anthony's class, probably Anthony's class, but in a performance sure, aspect. Sure, sure, sure. Well, that's yeah. that's incredibly exciting. And I'm I'm very happy for you. I can't wait to see it. I yeah, I, mean, I would come anyway, but like especially because I'm a fan of the show. It's just I feel like I'll be beside myself. <laughs> oh yeah, especially that you're a fan. There are so many cool. I mean, the show is based in that world. So that's you have cool. Lisboa and the professor, and that's what I'm going to say. And they're very present in this show. And there's a lot of callbacks and shout outs to the show throughout your experience. So you'll definitely love cool. it. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, I will let you go. I don't want to keep you all night. As I mentioned earlier, we're, we're doing a late night recording session. So I, I really appreciate your time. Um, but it, it, okay. If people want to listen to the podcast, Just Wedding, if people want to watch your sketches, keep an eye out for your your theater work, your movie work, all the work. Yeah. Where can people find you? Um, I'm on YouTube, Natalie Vero. Just look that up. Um, I have my website, NatalieVero.com. And I have um, my Instagram is very active with my sketches too. So like that's a platform that people could easily access. Um and uh, yeah, I have my sketches on there. YouTube, I have my sketches on there. And yeah, and what's, that's that, what's that? What's that name? Um, for YouTube, for Instagram, for Instagram. Oh, at, at Natty B. So it's <laughs> apparently there's like a lot of Natty Bs. So I had to do N A T T Y Y underscore B E E. I'm so glad I asked. <laughs> yes, thank God. It used to be Natty V. But I changed it to Natty B because of 
go into a Briston last name. <laughs> That's cute. That's fun. Yeah. So. Um, well, thank you so much. I, I am so glad oh, that we got to do this. And I would love to see, I, of course. And I can't wait until we can actually do something in person. Yes. Um, anything in person. I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I, I know your December is packed. We'll figure something out. Yeah. Um, and thank you everyone for listening. This has been Fiona Winch with Natalie Vero on Thoughtful Intentions.